everybody. I'm Steve Huffman. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the church, and welcome to the Team Vineyard Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Peter Lewis, all the way from Dallas, Texas. He flew up to attend and speak at our Chasing God event this week, and I know this podcast will come out uh, soon after that, and so, so happy to have Peter here. Uh, Also have Andrew Kurtz uh, with us today, who is the pastor of Young Adults and Children's Ministry here at the church. And so, Peter, welcome to the Vineyard and the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So how... You came to and just delivered some heat uh, during Chasing God. We so appreciate that, but many of us don't know who you are. So give us a little snippet, a little history of uh, of Peter Lewis from yeah, Dallas. Yeah, so born and raised in Dallas, Bible church kid, uh, was in love with soccer. So I did that, you know, my whole life was the dream to play professionally. Uh, I told my mom when I was seven I was going to play professional soccer, and I was this scrawny little kid from North Dallas. And Did she laugh at you? They laughed a little bit and um, had coaches laugh at me, And uh, but but I just worked at it, you know, and uh, and so ended up living that dream for a few years uh, over in Finland, of all places. And so did that. And, uh, yeah, somewhere along the way, just had a, a radical encounter with God, and he just got a hold of my life. And uh, it's been a, a wilder ride ever since then. Yeah. So you lead Braveheart Ministries. Give us a little snippet of Braveheart. Yeah, so I mean, you know, our our ministries are birthed out of our our you know our journeys, our testimonies, our struggles, and so I was the the chief performer. Uh, I really thought I could earn God's affection. I thought I could earn His love with my good works. That probably came out of just my background and not knowing really intimately uh, that I could know God intimately. And so um, after that encounter with the Lord in 2006, I got real passionate about seeing other people liberated into that same freedom and that same intimacy with Jesus uh, because it's it's so fulfilling and all of our Christian life flows from that place. And so Braveheart's really about uh, equipping the church uh, to experience the life in the new covenant, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, that's good. One of the things that you said last night during Chasing God, and this is sort of top of my question. I don't have a ton of questions, but top of my question list. So you spoke to the young adult generation, and you said something at the beginning about we're living at a time that you can't live lukewarm anymore. Mm -hmm. So can you... Uh, just at the top of this podcast, unpack that a little bit. What you're seeing, why that, uh, why you said that at the top, what you're feeling, and what you're trying to uh, to get people to press into. Yeah, I I think we're seeing a faith crisis. Um, I mean, the statistics show that young people are leaving the church, and they're not just leaving the building; they're leaving the faith, and uh, they're they're asking questions. and And so, I think we as the church have to ask ourselves, why is that happening? And there's a one of my favorite scriptures in Luke, Luke seven, uh, John. Or Jesus is talking about John the Baptist, and he says, he says basically this. He says, wisdom is justified by all her children. And, and the way I read that is wisdom actually has fruit. Mm. It's something that you can see. It's something that you can touch. And I think for too long, the church has relied upon what we believe instead of how we live. Um, that, that we're not authentic. And when I say that, I, again, I can, I, I'm saying that with great hope and great, I realize there's 
tons of, of leaders and churches yeah. that are authentic. But I think what the world is crying out for, that what we say we believe, um, they can experience and touch and feel in our lives, humility, integrity, power, peace, freedom. All the things that our our faith promises, they want to see it in a yeah. in a company of people, and so um, I really think that's what's at stake. That that we have to press in. Uh, uh, that we can no longer be okay with just right believing. Uh, right believing will produce right living, but that has to produce right living. We've got to see the fruit of the gospel in our lives and in our congregations. Yeah, that's really good. So. Can you give us, as you think about that, because I agree that I think the world is waiting for people to believe in some truth and go after that and live that out. What are some, you gave us some tangible things during Chasing God, but if you were to speak to uh, Team Vineyard or even the younger generation, what uh, what are some tangible things that they could grab a hold of to, to like, okay, I, I know Jesus, I know the Jesus of the Bible, uh, but how do I start living out those, like really, tan- like practically, how do I start living some of that stuff out? Yeah, I mean, number one, the secret place. Um, there, there's nothing more important for the health of your spiritual life than the secret place. And when I say the secret place, I mean, a daily time with the Lord in His Word, in prayer, being with Him. Now, I say that with a caveat. There's a reason many people don't have a secret place. Uh, and and that's where I focus a lot of my time in our ministry is uh, there's beliefs we have about God and ourselves that keep us from wanting to spend time with Him, um, that we, we think that God's disappointed with us. We think He's frustrated because we're not praying enough and we're disappointed with ourselves. And so there's this whole host of lies that I think we face that that keep us from having that time. Um, and so that would be the number one thing I would tell anyone um, is if you don't have that place, you got to A, fight for it, and you got you to gotta B, understand why are you not in that place. Um, and I would be willing to submit um, that there are some beliefs you have about God and yourself that's keeping you from really enjoying God. Yeah. So, so give somebody a, f- a first step. If they have, they're like, okay, I've heard the secret. Yep, I should be praying more. I should be, but they have some hang up. So give them like, a, how do you get started in that? If you've got those false beliefs and you want to step into what you're talking about, yeah, it's a great, that's a really good question. I think, um, I think you've got to be willing to acknowledge that you may be believing lies about God and yourself. Yeah. That's where it starts. Can we just acknowledge that? Hey, God, I think I'm believing things about you that aren't true and about myself, and I'm experiencing that in my life because I'm, I feel like I'm hiding from you. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying you. Um, when I say that statement, God wants you to enjoy him and to fellowship with him. I think people say, I want that. Yeah. But if they're honest and they slow down and they can get their soul quiet enough, God will speak to them and God will say, hey, okay, if you're willing to acknowledge that, I'll show you. The Spirit of God will search them and show them, hey, this is what you're believing and this is what's keeping you from me. And so some of the, the you, you mentioned the uh, the fruit of what they'll see in their lives. What are some of the like actual fruit that they'll see within their day-to-day living um, as they spe- spend more time in that secret place? Yeah, for me, for me, number one, it's it's peace, right? The the foundation of our faith, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, and so um, 
I would like to tell people that it's possible to have peace 24 by 7. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Which the new, is astounding to some people. It's astounding. To most people. Yeah. It's astounding. I didn't think I, – I, I would – I could say this with integrity. I have lived with peace in my heart. Now, let me – I'm going to qualify this. But for the last 13 years, now there's been temptations to, to move out of that place. I've gone through trials and difficulties and circumstances and maybe had moments of, you know, being unsettled. But Jesus really has become my rock. Um, and it's a it's a fight. It's a fight to stay in that place. It's why it's called the fight of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think peace is number one, that, that there will be a, this abiding sense of I'm okay because of what God has done, and that this new covenant system rests upon Him and His work, and not me and my frailty and my weakness. And that's the best news we could ever hear, is that is that we've got to get our minds off of ourselves and the matrix that we run ourselves through, and that our Christian life is built on, on Christ, in Christ alone. Yeah, that's good. Now, I want to qualify this next question that comparison kills joy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I think for people to to practically grab a hold of things, it's good to hear uh, some really practical, like, oh, that's your secret, that's what, that's your pattern, that's your pattern. So give us some insight to the Peter Lewis secret place. What does that look like to you? Are you waking up early? Are you, what, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question, especially now in this season. You know, I've got five kids, and so, um, you know, in my early— Do you sleep? Uh, I do now, okay. praise God. Um, not as much as maybe, maybe most, but— uh, in my early 20s, uh, when I wasn't married and I was playing professional soccer, my secret place looked like four or five hours a day with God because I had nothing else. I was living in Finland by myself, um, and it was it was extended time in God's presence. Just I would I would worship, I would wait on God. I was by myself all the time, and so it was really wonderful. And that became sort of a an anchor for me as I began to get more responsibility and more just pull on my time. And so now, present day, um, it looks like sitting in my chair with a cup of coffee, with my Bible, and um, I usually just take a minute. Um, I, I mentioned this last night. I try to always reset my heart on the cross yeah. um, because one of my biggest struggles is I am always tempted to believe that God doesn't love me, right? Like we, we know it intellectually, but I'm not... I don't think that's enough. I want to be impacted by it. It's like if your wife's like, hey, how do I look, honey? And you're looking at your phone, you go, you look great, right? She's going to be like, no, how do I look? And that's how I think with the cross, we do, the Lord's like, I love you through the cross. Like, yeah, thanks, thanks, Lord. And we're, it's like, right, that's not intimate. I want to be, I want to look at my wife and go, wow, you look stunning. And I'm, I've looked at you for 13 years, but you look amazing every time we go on a date. And so I try to get my heart in that place of innocence before the Lord, like I've never seen the cross, like I've never experienced it. And that, if you want to say, what's the steroids for my secret place? It's that, because all of a sudden when I'm, when I'm impacted fresh by His love for me, I'm not so concerned how long I'm praying and what I'm reading, because now my heart's connected in gratitude and thanksgiving. And it starts with that that place of, Lord, thank you. 
Yeah. Wow. Get my eyes off of me. I, I would say if you, that's the number one killer for your secret places if your eyes are on you. Yeah. And so the way I do that is I get them onto the Lord, specifically the cross and his love, and I say thank you. And I try to let that hit my heart fresh every morning. So to break that down into its its simplest form, it's, it's looking again at the cross, looking again and just beholding him. And then, and then he will do what inside of you? He produces gratitude. I, 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 my heart gets soft to his love. I, I receive, there's an impartation. Faith comes by hearing and seeing Jesus, right? The two scriptures, hearing the word of Christ and looking to Jesus. And so as soon as that faith is authored in your heart, fresh in that morning, his grace is released. It's like a spiritual formula. It really is. We're, we're saved and we'll experience ongoing salvation by the grace of God. And so... Yeah, peace fills my heart, love fills my heart, gratitude fills my heart. And then you carry that with you the rest of the day. Absolutely. And I try to do it in the evenings as well. I try to reposition my heart before him uh, to, to just kind of before I go to bed, just, wow, Lord, you're amazing, you know. And so, yeah, but that, that takes some... Uh, it takes time, not as much maybe as you might think, but I think the more that reality is birthed in your heart, the the greater the hunger to actually spend time with the Lord, where you're stop, you're no longer counting the minutes and the hours and the right. I, I don't I don't calculate how much time I spend with my wife, right? I couldn't tell you how many hours I spent, but sometimes we do that with the Lord, right? Because we sometimes want to like, well, how how much time? It's like I'm not. I'm not calculating. I, I love God. I, I walk with Him. I abide with Him. Even in settings like this, you can you can withdraw in your spirit and you can commune with the Lord, um, and and that just takes time, I think, in growing in relationship with Him. So I want to go to that point of uh, I'll use your language, communing with the Lord. So that the one of the things is as we consider the younger generation, the the young adult generation, uh, if they become empowered with the love of Christ, they can impact the community. Not that anyone couldn't, but uh, there's some some soft spot, I think, in the community for young adults who are on fire from Jesus to live out their calling in the community. It'll change the community. Not, and I'm, uh, Community is not the church. Community is, in this sense, South Bend, Mishawaka, Elkhart. And so uh, how do you view, if you could speak into uh, uh, the young adults of this area, of this region, uh, the impact that they could have if they carried in their own calling, workplace, school, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you carry that power out into the community. Just speak over the the young adult crew. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question and, and thought. Um, I'll say this: Don't be small in your own eyes. Don't underestimate what God can do through one simple yes. Um, I believe God's looking for people to dream through. God's got big dreams. God loves people. If you want to if you want to do big things for God, you want to see big explosive fruit, recognize that God loves the community more than you do and just be willing to get in between his heart for people and 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 those people and say God, I'm I'm available. Uh, but but again, I'm going to go back to the secret place because if you abide in the in the vine, you'll bear much fruit. And and community transformation is simply fruit 
of being intimate with Jesus. And so um, in that secret place, God will begin to birth uh, burdens and vision for the community that will, and I promise you, it will seem bigger than what than what you think you can accomplish in your own strength. Um, and I, you know, we've talked about the Time to Revive guys. That was 2016 for me. I was having a quiet time and the Lord said, uh, what would it look like for 50 days from Easter to Pentecost to gather the church in Dallas uh, and to see evangelism? And, and it was this huge vision. And at the time I was this associate at this small little church, you know, with, you know, we had maybe 300 members. And I said, God, I said, that would be awesome. But but you got the wrong guy, right? And and the Lord said, well, just share the vision. If it's me, watch what I do. And that's all I did is I began to just share the unction that I had with the Lord. And it, and it took off like a freight train. People, big ministries came on, and we had one of the biggest churches. We had 370 churches in DFW come together for 50 days. We saw over 3,000 people saved. And God used little old me to spark that. Um, and, and so I, that would be my main thing is don't, don't think that you've got to wait to make an impact, that God will, will speak and dream through you today. Yeah, one of the things that um, I've been talking with our young adults about recently is how to get uncomfortable, like not just staying in that, not just worshiping the God of, of comfort. Um, and I, I've, been, I've been trying to encourage them to step out and, and be uncomfortable in your faith because that's where the, that's where you'll find more fruit. Um, and so what would you say to encourage those who are like, I'm, I'm nervous, I'm, I'm not sure I can do that, or I don't know if I'm equipped yet. What would you say to those individuals? I don't know if you teed me up there. So I don't know if y'all know this. I was shy, introverted, like deathly afraid of public speaking. That's not in your bio. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And so uh, I remember I'll share this testimony. Hopefully it'll encourage somebody. Um, I I would never thought I would speak publicly in front of people. And now that's that's all I do. I do it a lot. But it started, I was riding the, um, the public transportation downtown, downtown Dallas. And um, and I'm standing there, and there's about 50 people on the on this train, and I hear the Lord whisper to my heart, "Speak, tell the people that I love them." And I was like, "That's not God," you know. I was like, "That's not God." And um, long story short, the Lord showed me, "No, that is me," and I want you to speak to these people and tell them that I love them. And I didn't know what God was doing at the time. He was delivering me of the fear of man. Um, and that's a reason why many of us don't step out and share our faith is because we care more about what man thinks than what God thinks. Mm-hmm. And he led me to Proverbs 28.1. It says this, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And he spoke that to me and he said, Son, if you see rightly, uh, the wicked run away and no one's chasing them but the righteous are as bold as a lion. He goes, when you step on that train, he said, you're righteous because I've made you righteous through my son. He said, you can be as bold as a lion. He said, no one's chasing you. No one's, you know. And so he just changed the way that I thought. Now, listen, let me let me say something. When so I you got on that train and so it was I got eloquent. On, so I got on that train <laughs> and my heart's beating out of my chest. My, my face is, you know, beat red because I'm completely nervous. 
But I, I took a little baby step of faith on the Word of God. I said, okay, Lord, you say I'm as bold as a lion, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to best I know how act like a lion, even though inside I was trembling like a leaf. And I, and I stood up and I said, excuse me, and everyone looked at me. And I said, I just want to tell you God loves you. And for about 30 to 45 seconds, I just declared the love of God, and it felt like an eternity, right? And as soon as I said God, about 95% of the train just got this awkward look and was like, get me out of here, you know? <laughs> but I remember this one woman came up at the end and she said, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. And, and what happened was the Lord began to show me that, that I actually was as bold as a lion. And, um, and that started a long journey of God delivering me of what people think about me. Um, and I think for, for us to actually have an impact in our community, we have to be delivered from the fear of man yeah. Yeah, because it's a snare biblically. Yeah. Um, so, that's, yeah, that's I, hope that, I hope that helps. <laughs> that helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, many folks who are listening have kids. You have five kids. Oldest is eight. Oldest is eight. So what are some of the things you're doing with your younger crew? Because uh, you're empowering the next generation, right? Uh, so what are some of the things you're doing with your family to, to drive the love of God through the next generation mm-hmm. of Lewis's that would be helpful to families here in this region? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, you know, I think the number one thing my wife and I try to do is is that we try to live our faith in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 try to model uh, what it looks like to follow Him, to know Him, that it's authentic before them, that they hear us talking to God. Yeah. Uh, we don't just pray for them; we pray with them. Um, and then and then it's a journey. I mean, we're learning. We don't. I mean, man, I feel overwhelmed every day with the responsibility to, of stewardship. And ultimately, I go back to God. You love my kids more than you do. Um, that that seems to be our prayer. But uh, we have an intentional night every week. Uh, we, we try to take Friday nights as a family and take communion together uh, just so that there's that rhythm, that touch point, um, you know, where we're trying to get them to discuss spiritual things and understand the gospel. Um, and so that's really the best we're doing right now is just trying to live it out, trying to model humility, love, and then have a weekly touch point where we, you know, have an intentional time. And I want to say this as a, you know, as a pastor, as a leader, you know, my expectation for family devotional time was super high. Like I have a value for it. And so when you're, you know, when your four-year-old's picking his nose and, and trying to WWF the other one, you know, wrestle, you know, you're like, you're like, what is going on? And you, I've, I've gotten so frustrated because I so desire that time. And my wife has been so good about just helping me understand that like, hey, they are listening you know and, and just walking that line of like hey it's they're okay four, it's so okay if right. they don't if they don't get it and and now that they're getting older my eight and my seven we're having some amazing conversations and seeing some fruit in their lives so one of the things that i've uh, tried to encourage also in our our families within our children's ministry is that it, it can't just be the church on sunday morning or saturday night here mm-hmm. uh, and it can't just be it probably shouldn't just be the parents. We need to invite others in as well to help with discipleship. How are you doing that with your kids, inviting others to to come in and speak to your children? Yeah, so we have we have a like a small group that meets in our home on Tuesday nights, just a group of friends, and so. Um, 
you know, they get to know that group and, you know, people like Alzavian and Josh and they'll come over and, and just. Those are the two guys that you brought with you yes, on this trip. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, um, just letting them see that community, that family life, you know, because they're, I think with kids, it's caught more than it's taught. You know, how we, how we live speaks a lot. And we've all had that scary moment when, you're, when your kid repeats something that you said or did and you had no idea they were paying attention. And you're like, wow, you're like a walking, you know, surveillance of my life, you know. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a great point, though, having the community speak in and uh, having people in your home is a real simple way to worship and to fellowship around the Word. So, so uh, I've got a final question as we sort of land the podcast. So you have hung out with us uh, for almost 24 hours, right? So not a ton of time. I know you speak around the country and, uh, and, and do a number of visits to churches. As you uh, sort of stepped into the vineyard culture, if you could encourage us one way, just you've hung out with us a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say to the vineyard mm-hmm. in Mishawaka? Well, I, I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm so grateful for the Vineyard Church and for the impact that I think you guys are having on the global church. It's It really is. I'll constantly meet people that have uh, either been saved or healed or delivered or tr- life transformed. And so uh, this is the actually the first Vineyard Church I've ever ministered at and been at, and so I'm super grateful. Um, and I, I would just say to continue to keep the pursuit of God's presence uh, at the forefront of everything you say and do, that I believe the gifts, you have such a rich uh, heritage in the gifts of the Spirit um, and, and discipleship, integrity, and worship, uh, but the pursuit of God's presence, His face, um, to keep that at the height of everything you do. That would be my exhortation because everything else will flow and follow from that place. Yeah, that's great. So thanks for that, Peter. Thanks for speaking at Chasing God. Really appreciate what you've deposited into us. And so Team Vineyard, hopefully you've been blessed by this podcast. We're trying to make sure that we help empower you to love Jesus, grow together, and give back. So thanks for tuning in, and we will see you this weekend.